You're listening to the Dan Grosser Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Ty Butler, Tom Bauer, they're along for the ride as well. They are producing the program tonight on a busy, busy sports Wednesday. No baseball tonight because both locals played this afternoon and... As has been the case really for this week, the Mets don't win. The Yankees do win. The Yanks finish off the sweep of the Oakland A's. They'll now get on a plane and go have a one-game stopover against the... You know what they they, they should do since Houston and the Yankees are both in New York today playing games and they're both going back to Houston, they should share a plane. You know, save on costs. You know, the fuel prices these days are just astronomical. Maybe the Yankees and Astros got together and said, hey, let's, you know, just all pile into one aircraft and uh, we'll meet you down there in Houston, play a baseball game. Then the Yanks will be on their way because they're trying to make up that three game series that was wiped out in the first week of the season because of the lockout. So they'll get one of those in tomorrow and they'll play a doubleheader right after the All-Star break to make up those games. But I mean, not much more you could say about the Yankees, but we will have some things that we could pick apart a little bit later on in the program. And the Mets just, hey. We've been saying it the last couple of nights. You're the Mets when it comes to the Astros. Bye-bye. So long. Farewell. Talk to you soon. See you in October, maybe. Enough is enough. No more of the Astros. I mean, that when, when that game went final today, like, I, I, I even tweeted it out. You know, that last strike call on Francisco Lindor, I, I thought that was a weak call. I think it was a little bit outside. I wouldn't even get aggravated because it doesn't even matter. Like, it was just one of those days you knew the Mets weren't going to score. I mean, it didn't matter how many guys they kept sending up to the plate. They just were not going to find a way to produce. And that's really been their hiccup for the last few games. Runners in scoring position, getting that big hit, manufacturing a freaking run. They haven't been able to do so. And now hopefully they take the day off tomorrow, welcome in the Texas Rangers, and really, more than anything else, kickstart a little bit more of an accommodating part of their schedule, which is something that you know they have not had really the luxury of dealing with over the last few weeks. Plain and simple. This is now that brutal stretch of June that has finally come to a conclusion where the Mets were playing really, really good teams. And, you know, it wasn't an overly flattering record. They essentially played 500 baseball for the last few weeks, but they still find themselves in first place, uh, even though the lead has diminished a little bit with the Atlanta Braves creeping at their heels, but still got the best record in the National League. And yeah, I know things are far from perfect, but You take a step back, and when you say those words out loud, come on, let's say it all together, the Mets have the best record in the National League. Are we really going to sit here and induce panic and think that the sky is falling because they couldn't beat the Astros, and oh, by the way, the lead is now just a few games in the National League? Well, we'll get to all those things a little bit later on here over the course of the program. Jim Duquette. Former Met GM, now, of course, one of the stars of MLB Network Radio, SNY. He'll join us a little bit later on in the program, do a little Mets-Yankees, go around baseball. And Brian Geltzeiler, my pal from SiriusXM NBA Radio, will join us in the 8 o'clock hour to talk a little hoops, a little NBA, and... That's where we're going to have our jumping off point here tonight, and that is with the New York Knickerbockers and the pursuit of a roster upgrade, the pursuit of talent, the pursuit of backcourt help, and really just the continuation of the theme that we've kind of been dealing with over the last couple of days, couple of weeks, you name it, as we get closer to tomorrow at 6 o'clock p.m. with the start of free agency and the league year and all those things. Now, last we left you, which was... Late last night when we were signing off the show, just a little before 10 o'clock, I would say, so it was about like quarter to 10 maybe, we got the word that the Knicks were making a move. They were making a trade. Out goes Alec Burks. 
out goes Nerland's Noel, and they go to the Detroit Pistons. And, you know, I understand that was a move to clear cap space as they continue to clear room. They continue to do some summer cleaning and get their house in order so they could make a big move or two in free agency. It's not really all that big of a surprise. And if you're thinking about just doing that and what you're hoping to accomplish, they've actually done a good job. Because in the last week, they've now cleared over $30 million in cap space, right? By trading away Kemba Walker, by not making a pick at number 11 in the first round. I thought maybe they would move Noel or Burks, not both of them, but they were able to send both of them away. And now you have all that cap space to go ahead and sign the guy that they covet. And we all know who that guy is. His name rhymes with Shalen Brunson, right? We know where this is headed. They can even get an extra $5 million if they decide to part ways with Taj Gibson. So I don't think necessarily the, the cleanup job is complete yet, per se. And, and let me just say this, too, about Alec Burks. I liked Alec Burks. I, I, I really and truly did. Now, is, is that a guy who you're going to feature, certainly, to you know, be a, a, a central part of a championship team? Of course not. And he's well-traveled, and you know he's been around. But I really thought that he found a nice niche here the last couple of years in what he was asked to do. And last year, I give him a lot of credit because virtually for almost the whole season, he's playing out of position, right? When the Knicks didn't have a starting point guard, Tom Thibodeau said, hey, 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 Berksy, you're going to be our starting point guard. And he did it. He did it without sulking. He did it without complaining. And I understand that he's not a true point guard, but it's that selflessness. You know, it's that being part of a team, doing whatever I have to do to help this team win. You need guys like Alec Burks. Not to mention that when he's right and when he's going good, guy's a good three-point shooter. You need guys that are going to be able to space the floor. So that being said, I, I, I was a little surprised slash disappointed that they sent him packing. But the $10 million in cap space was more of, valuable to the Knicks than having Alec Burke still on this basketball team. I get that. So now you got to make peace with it and move on. But you realize where this is headed. And it's further cementing the likelihood of Jalen Brenson coming over here. And this is going to be his new home. You know, there's too much smoke right now. Too much connected dots, which already leads you to Brunson being a member of the New York Knicks. And look, we've talked about this for the last few days. I'm okay with Brunson, but you also have to realize the fact that Brunson's not the guy. You're not bringing him in to be the guy. You're not building a team around Jalen Brunson. As long as we're all okay on that, that's cool. You know, if we're on the same page and if the Knicks are on the same page more than anything else, then I think we have something to work with. Because I think you have to keep your expectations in line when it comes to all that stuff. But, yeah, he's one piece of the puzzle. So the next question is, who's next? Now what do you do? Because you can't just stop here. It's Jalen Brunson and what else? You can't roll into next season and say, okay, Jalen Brunson is the newest player to our team. Let's go win some basketball games. Well, you're not going to win a lot of basketball games. You're not going to win more basketball games, or at least to the extent that you hoped you would, if that's really the only decent move you're going to make. But can you really be sure? Like, 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 that's the question we have to ask tonight. Like, can you really and truly be sure that this is happening and this is going down? Because here's the reality. I'm a big reality guy. 
Everybody and their mother kind of assumes this is going to happen. Not just here in New York, but like everywhere around NBA circles. What if it doesn't? You know how bad that's going to make this organization look if they don't get this guy? Whether you think he's worth it or not, whether you think they're overpaying for him or not, you know what would look worse than all those things? Is if they don't even get the guy that they basically moved heaven and earth to try to acquire. And they're left with egg on their face again, which this franchise has been in that position more often than not. And if it happens again to me, that would be the most damning part of this whole equation. And are we really sure that that is completely, completely unlikely to happen or to take place? Let me just throw this out there for fodder. For the purpose of this conversation, we'll throw this out there. And I'm not sitting here trying to dash hopes. I'm not sitting here trying to rain on anybody's parade. That's not what I'm all about here. I give you information... We talk about information, and we put it into a blender here and see what we could all come up with. That's what we're trying to accomplish here. Mark Stein has covered the NBA since I was in diapers. Actually, I don't even know how old Mark Stein is, but that's besides the point. Mark Stein was, you know, with ESPN. He was most recently with the New York Times. I still thought he was with the Times, but as I just checked right now, he's not a part of the New York Times anymore. Okay. Substack, markstein.substack.com, whatever the hell that is. But, you know, God bless him. He tweets out about an hour ago. Mavericks owner Mark Cuban, scheduled to be joined by top team executives, Nico Harrison and Michael Finley, coach Jason Kidd, and, as Chris Haynes of Yahoo reports, maybe one or two of Jalen Brunson's teammates at Thursday's free agent meeting in New York City with Brunson, league sources say. There is obviously scant optimism in Dallas that anything can be done at this juncture to dissuade Jalen Brunson from signing with New York on a four-year deal worth at least $100 million. But sources say Brunson's camp sought the meetings with Dallas and Miami and now has them. Dallas and Miami. Chris Haynes reporting that Brunson is granting meetings with Dallas, the Knicks, and Dark Horse Miami on the first day of free agency. How's that make you feel? Optimism may be wavering a little bit. I understand you throw Miami in there, right? Miami's got Pat Riley. Pat Riley had the coup of all coups once upon a time about 12 years ago when he was able to get LeBron and Wade and Bosh all to come down to Miami. Here's the bottom line, though. It's got nothing to do with Pat Riley. It's got nothing to do with the Miami Heat. It's got nothing to do with Heat culture, which is, the, which is a rumor and a myth as far as I'm concerned. You know what Miami has? Miami's got, number one, no state taxes. It's got beautiful weather 365 days a year. And for a winter sport like basketball, there are worse places on this planet to call home than South Florida. Those are the advantages that Pat Riley and the Miami Heat have. That is a good life if you can get it. It's got nothing to do with culture and winning and those things, even though the Heat had themselves a good season last year. And they got some good players. And you know what? They stay healthy. They're in position probably to do some good things again next season. But don't let all that Heat culture stuff fool you. Not about that. 
Dallas, on the other hand, I mean, if Mark Cuban is rolling out the red carpet and pulling out all the stops to see if he can make one last-ditch effort to keep Jalen Brunson with his franchise, to me, that says something. Even if they could read the writing on the wall, and even though they could recognize that they can't pay as much money necessarily as what the New York Knicks are bound to offer here, they're still making an attempt to keep this guy around. That says a lot to me. If I was Jalen Brunson, that would speak volumes to me. Hey, you know what? This is where I came of age. This is where I grew as a basketball player. This is where I developed and honed my craft. And even though I'm not necessarily the lead dog on this team, that's Luka Doncic, of course, they still want me. And they're actually getting on a plane and coming all the way up to New York to meet with me when they didn't have to do that. That, to me, counts for something. So that's the question. Like, how sure are we that this is taking place? Like, how sure are we that Jalen Brunson is going to be a New York Nick? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. And by the way, while we're at it, remember there were some other names that we tossed around over the last couple of days that, well, if not Brunson, you go out and get maybe somebody else? And remember one of those names was DeJounte Murray from the San Antonio Spurs? Thinking that maybe San Antonio would move him. And as the day kind of wore on today, it looked ever so more likely that the Spurs were going to trade Murray because they are just completely blowing that thing up down there. And Popovich is going to retire and he's going to saddle a rebuilding job with somebody else. He's not going to sit there and go, you know, uh, 10 and 72. He's done enough already in his career. So you thought that maybe the Knicks had a chance to get themselves DeJounte Murray as well. They want draft choices. Knicks have draft choices. They'd be the perfect fit. Knicks were one of the three teams that were having serious conversations with the San Antonio Spurs. And then, a little while ago, nope. No Knicks. Go to Atlanta. For a former Nick in Danilo Gallinari, I don't know if that counts for anything, and multiple first-round picks, which the Knicks have... Plenty of, by the way, 11 over the next seven years. But the Hawks said, or the Spurs said, thanks, but no thanks. We'll take the Hawks package. And I don't even know if that's a great fit either with Murray and Trey Young in that backcourt, but they're willing to give it a shot. But how does that apply to the Knicks? It's called the Hawks team, which was better than them for the last two years. Now, at least on paper, is already better than them going into this season as well. You're listening to the Dan Grosser Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Get me on Twitter, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. So, yeah, you know, I was, like, I've been kind of hot and cold about the DeJounte Murray thing because we've brought up his name over the last few days. But now that it seems like the Brunson thing is going to happen, and I started to think, like, okay, well, if you then incorporate Murray as well, you're basically making over your backcourt entirely, 100%. You know, Murray's a guy that could D up. You upgrade your backcourt defensively, certainly. He's got years of control, multiple years of control, not even crazy money. I know that maybe the fit might not all be there with some of the other pieces on this club, but you know what? You can't say no to talent necessarily. And upgrading talent is what this team needs, and they would be accomplishing that by bringing in these players. So I started to think, and dare I say, I started to dream a little bit. Started to think that this could be a possibility, that this might actually be something worth watching come the season. Until it wasn't. And he's going to Atlanta. So, 
Now we're left with Jalen Brunson potentially, a meeting in New York City that Miami's going to be at, Dallas is going to be at. This thing can't go south, can it? I I mean, right? Please tell me this can't go south. Because I said the only thing worse than maybe this not even working out is him just saying thanks but no thanks and not even taking the Knicks offer, which seems like it's already in the bag. Chris in Staten Island, he's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Christopher, how are you? Hey, Dan, what's going on, buddy? Great show. Chris, what's going on? Not too much, pal. I was laughing. Yesterday, sitting around having lunch at work, and I see Cuban sitting in a sushi restaurant having lunch by himself. And I'm like, what the hell is he doing in town? And now I know why he's in town. So Cuban, Cuban goes sushi solo for lunch, like not even with an entourage sushi. or anything. Sushi solo, left solo, and he was even eating with his hands, no chopsticks, very weird. I don't know. I'm not a chopsticks guy, so I can certainly relate to that. Like, I'm, I'm way confused by it. I'll, I'd go hands probably if I had the choice. Now, did anybody, anybody come up to him? Anybody recognize him? Anybody say anything no, to him? Was he, he friendly? He walked, nothing? he walked out. We were sitting around the truck, and he walked out. He said hello to us. I thought the funniest thing was he's wearing Dallas Mavericks sweatpants. <laughs> he's wearing his own merch I go, oh, this guy's hysterical Chris, you know what that tells you, okay it doesn't matter how much money you have it doesn't matter exactly. how rich you are sometimes a good pair of sweatpants is still the way to go Dallas Maverick sweatpants, we were cracking up and he, and he didn't have to pay for the sweatpants, like you said, they're his own merch, so basically <laughs> they were freebies, he walked into the merchandise closets at the facility, got a pair of sweatpants, and he's taking them for solo sushi Exactly. Well, let's see what happens. Chris, good phone we'll call. Absolutely, yeah, brother. Lot, Keep it up. Great You'll show. be good. I like, see, I like that. I like the eyewitness account there. So Mark Cuban's a sushi. Can I be honest? I'm not really a sushi guy. So, but I, you know, I, I appreciate the, uh, the eyewitness account. And see, you could be a multi-billionaire. It doesn't matter. You, if you own a team... And they got a pair of sweatpants with that team's logo on it. You might as well rock them even for a sushi lunch. There's no shame in that. Now, it's a little bit different because I don't know if you would just rock any old pair of sweatpants. Like if you're going out for sushi, like you maybe need to do it up a little more. Like I could see maybe if you're doing like sushi to go and you're going to pick it up and then you're going to leave. But if you're actually going sushi or anything for that matter, sit down. I don't know if sweatpants is the right move. That's just me. So, I, I, the more I think about this, and the more I obsess over this potential transaction, which may or may not happen here, let me put it this way. And I was talking about this before the show with the guys. What The, the, the general consensus that I have from everybody is that there's a lot of skepticism in this. You know, I, I think there's just as many fans that aren't in favor of them bringing in Jalen Brunson than there are who are. So to the skeptical crowd, here's the question I have for you. Are you skeptical more of the player himself, the individual, Jalen Brunson? Is that what's off-putting to you, that you're not maybe convinced that he's the guy that, okay, had a really good season, a really good playoff, and, and, and what if he's some flash in the pan? How do you know that he's going to be able to do this consistently year in and year out, continue to get better, and be one of the driving forces of this team, which you hope is going to get better in the Eastern Conference? 
and get back to being a playoff team? Is the skepticism more about the player or is it more about the organization? That everything the Knicks seem to touch doesn't work out. Are all their best intentions somehow go by the wayside? And even though this might seem like a perfect fit, team wants player, player wants team, you're not totally breaking the bank for him. All the local ties with his father and the agent, and you know it seems like it's all a perfect fit, but yet it's the Knicks, so it can't work. What, 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 what gives you the eerie feeling? Player, or is it because of the team? That's what we need to get into here. At 800-919-3776, that is a telephone number. Is it because of the Knicks, or is it because of just Jalen Brunson himself that you don't think this is going to work out? You're listening to the Dan Grasso Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, this Friday, Bar A in Lake Como, New Jersey, becomes Bar K at the 98.7 ESPN Beach Bash. Michael K. Show is going to be live from 3 to 7 p.m. Giveaways for fans in attendance and music from Brian Kirk and the Jerks. It's all brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, Casa de Monte Cristo, Calandra's Bakery, Rutgers Athletics, the Good Life Transportation Company, and PGA Tour Superstore. you got to be at least 21 years of age to enter Jim Duquette on the baseball a little bit later on Brian Geltseiler on the NBA as we move forward through the evening let us say hi to Dante in Queens he's up next here on 98.7 Dante what's going on hey thanks for taking my call what's up Dante Um, nothing much just a quick um, couple notes on the Knicks that it like if this may sound kind of drastic but if, if you can't close this Brunson deal, you know, you're, you're a pathetic front office, and I feel like an uh, office of trained chimps could do the job better. This was supposed to be a done deal, and then why am I hearing from Bleacher Report that he's also talking to the Heat? It, it, it's like, it's, it, and how you missed out on the Murray deal, you could have put a better package together than you got from, um, uh, um, from Atlanta. So, you know, that... That I, I'm, I don't even want to fully go into that, that but that, that's just a, another, you know, embarrassment. You have – so at the end of the day, you're going to be the big, dumb team with all of this cap space that nobody wants to take. It's, it's like if you – and I don't want to hear about Leon Rose and World Wide West, all the NBA connections they have. It's obviously not enough if you can't close this deal. Dante, you're preaching to the choir. Your preacher in the choir said the exact same thing to me, and I thank you for the call as always. To me, that is the worst part of this whole predicament right now. It's not even necessarily them overpaying to get Jalen Brunson and him not necessarily living up to expectations. To me, it will look worse if the Knicks don't get him because everybody has it as pretty much a done deal in NBA circles. I guess the only couple of people that don't are the Miami Heat and the Dallas Mavericks, which is why they're coming up to New York to meet with Brunson, thinking that they still have a shot. Either that or they just want to come up to New York for the holiday weekend, Hamptons. I'm sure there's going to – it's probably – something is going to involve the Hamptons. You know, the water, the beach, weather's supposed to be nice. Even if you're Miami, though, I mean, like you're down in Miami. What are you coming up to New York for? Right? Just hang out down there. But, no, that, that to me would be the worst look possible because that sends a message to the rest of the NBA. It tells the rest of the league that, you know what, this team still can't be taken seriously. 
that this team still cannot attract a marquee free agent, that there's teams that still, or there's players that still don't take the Knicks seriously and want to take their advances and all of their riches that they're throwing at them. That's the worst look. Sean in Brooklyn. He is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Sean, how are you? I'm doing good, boss man. How you doing? What's up, Sean? I'm good. I'm here to to bring a little positivity to all of this because, as always, there's nothing but miserable Knicks fans who want to gripe and complain about everything that's happening. I love Leon Rose. Since he's gotten here every year, he does stuff, and I'm like, yo, bro, what are you doing? And at the end of it all, you're like, all right, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. What did he do this draft? He ended up getting Duran, traded him away, sort of like, oh, we kind of kept him and all, but what did that do? Trade him to the Pistons, who was trying to take Mitch. So now we don't have the competitor there to drive up the price on Mitch. That's a smart move. Another smart move is taking the Mavs' second-best player the year before we use their first-round pick. That's another smart move. And he's been coming after this guy well before we all saw him explode in the playoffs. We've seen them at the game watching him explode at the playoffs. Not late to the party. They're on time, early. You feel me? Anywhere he goes, he's going to get $100 million. Right. You pair him. You pair him on this team. Mavs is going to give him a hundred. If the Heat, which we just heard of, so we all got to look and see how this is possible. But guarantee is going to be a hundred mil. It's going to be at least what the Mavs is giving him, which is a hundred mil. So wherever he's going, he's going to get that bread. You bring him onto the Knicks, a young team that's building mostly with young players and all of this stuff. You got you giving him Mitchell Robinson, a defensive block machine who breaks NBA field goal percentage records, would have broke it again if he played more games. If he yeah. doesn't get injured, I'm not looking for another center. Leon did the right move to bring down his price a little by eliminating competition so we can keep him. Randall, our best player, yes, he turns the ball over in the last two, three minutes, but isn't that why we need a point guard so he's not setting up the plays? Fournier came in with Kemba. And Kemba sucked, worse in the league, and plus minus, basically. And Evans still ended up breaking the three-point record in one year. Still with the bad start. Give him a good start. Let things start off a little smoother. RJ, youngest Nick ever to average 20 points per game. Youngest Nick ever to do it. He has a young point guard now to grow up with and do it. We got a top bench full of young players. Oftentimes, last year, they were better than our starters. And we have a coach of the year coach. Uh, once again, we have a front office that has been making crafty moves left and right, and we got a bunch of picks for next year's draft, which is supposed to be better. And um, uh, I could keep going on and on. I don't know why you guys so, are Sean, always you're, so, so Sean, miserable. You're, Sean, you're all in. You, you, you're seeing the I'm sunny side in, of this. You're seeing the sunny side of this. You think that this could lead to bigger and better things. You think this is a good first step. Yes. I think that we won with a whack point guard in Alfred Payton. I swear, while we was winning, I was talking about how we were winning in spite of Alfred Payton. Like, he made, like, in in the whole lineup we have, I just went from, I just did the whole thing, did I not? I did the coach, the front office, the bench, the starting lineup. And the only hole that is truly there is that point guard. Well, we had our bench small forward running point. Our bench small forward was our starting point guard, the New York Knicks, who always need a starting point guard. Now we got a $100 million young kid coming in who blew up in the, in the playoffs. we all seen it on a big stage. None of our young guys blew up in the playoffs when we had them. Our best player was clearly Derrick Rose. Our second best was Randall, and it wasn't enough. So I, I, 
I'm running this back with a good point guard who's going to make everybody better, who hey. could possibly feed Mitch the, ball, Mitch the ball more so we could get some buckets down there. I think this will make us look better so that down the road, other catchers like, Brunson did good, but I'm better than Brunson. I could take him to the next level. Sean, you know what? Sean, you just, and I thank you for the call. That's a good call. You see what Sean just did there? He just painted the rosiest picture that you could possibly paint for what the future could look like for this basketball team off of just this one acquisition. And it's not the final piece. Nobody's sitting here trying to tell you it's the final piece. It is one step to what you hope is building something significant. And who else is going to follow? Like, we outlined that a little bit earlier. And by the way, let me say this too, because as Sean was rattling all those things off, it got me thinking, in an inadvertent way, it's kind of like a six degrees type thing. Remember what the big catch was supposed to be or at least what you hoped it would be on draft night last week remember the Knicks were trying to move heaven and earth to go get Jaden Ivey Jaden Ivey ends up falling into the Pistons lap at number five inadvertently that took the Pistons out of the mix as a potential suitor for Jalen Brunson because he brought another guard in there not saying that he would have went there but I'm just that took them out of the mix so you eliminate one potential competitor And, you know, I brought this up. I don't remember if it was last night or the night before, whatever. What if, and and people are just like glossing over this. What if, let's say, Julius Randle is Julius Randle of two years ago instead of the Julius Randle last year. Is that completely impossible to even fathom? I don't think so. You're listening to the Dan Grossa Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Max Scherzer pitching tonight for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. Second rehab start in Hartford against the Yard Goats. Three scoreless innings, five punch outs for the three-time Cy Young Award winner. Get him out of the game. He looks fine, even though I haven't seen a pitch. Uh, a everything is a okay. Get him to City Field. We'll see you in five days on the bump. Make it happen for Mad Max, and then Jake, not too far behind from him. And then let's kick this thing at the high gear, coming out of the All Star break, and start flexing our muscles in the National League. We'll get into the baseball. Jim Duquette'll join us. Former Met GM. In about a half an hour from now, Brian Geltzeiler from NBA Radio will join us at 9 o'clock. Talk a little NBA on the eve of free agency. By the way, somebody, I forgot who it was, one of the callers brought up um, DeAndre Ayton's name. And DeAndre Ayton's not coming here. We know that. But the thing about DeAndre Ayton is he's a restricted free agent. So Phoenix would have the right of first refusal. They can match any deal that he goes out there and gets and they put in front of him. I'm still not convinced he uh, necessarily vacates the Valley of the Sun, but you never know. I mean, stranger things have happened. Let us go back to the phones here and talk a little Knicks with Jerry and Peekskill up next on 98.7. Jerry, how are you? Hey, how you doing? What's up, Jer? Um, The Knicks, uh, Devontae Murray's gone. Went to Atlanta. DeJounte Murray, yes, we know that, yeah. And, and, and what, who are you going to pair with Brunson? No? I know the guy's a good point guard, but he's not going to take us to a championship. He's not even going to take it to the finals, you know? 
Well, Jerry, obviously. I mean, and that's 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 the bottom line here. We thank you for that scintillating uh, information that you brought to the program. There, uh, I had to think. I thought he said Devonte Murray. I'm like Devonte Murray, who, De- what? Who? Devonte Adams. Yeah, that's it. Dev- yeah, Devonte Adams, who's now catching passes from his old buddy from college there, Derek Carr. <laughs> What's the over under for the Raiders this year? Is it somewhere in that like eight nine range? Because everybody's going gaga over that one. By the way, I don't. I know you're going to find this shocking, but yeah. uh, as the caller just mentioned. Not yeah. going to help the Knicks win a championship this year. So no, breaking no, he's news. not. No, no. <laughs> yeah, right. Breaking news. We got the breaking news sounder. The Knicks are not winning a championship this year. Not happening. Maybe in the future, but not this year. You know. And, and speaking of point guards, like, just thinking about it. Like, who's the last guy? Legit. Like, I'm. I, I'm. So I can't count Marbury. I, I just. I go, if you ask me, like, the first name that pops up in my head, I still go back to, to Derek Harper, for crying out loud. And that was over 25 years ago. That's, like, the last legit point guard the Knicks had. Derek I mean, Harper. you're going to laugh at this, yeah. but go back to, it was 2011, I believe. What are you going like, to give right, me, like, Ray Felton? <laughs> I was going to say, right before the mellow trade, Raymond <laughs> Felton and Amari Stoudemire had a nice connection. I'm, I'm not even trying it was, to It was funny. a decent connection. It was a good connection. Like, it's not a legitimate point guard, but as far as, like, um, sound point guard play for that season. Ray Fel- Ray Felton, he he was the guy. He was pretty. It, it was it was a good connection. You know what the problem is though? It didn't last that long, right? And you know, like nowadays when you talk about like modern basketball, we've almost entered into this like world of it, it, it's kind of like positionless basketball. You know, like there are very few guys who are like a true one, a true two, a true. You know, it's it's basically like just put. The best guys out there on the floor, and somehow you find a way to make it work. Like that's how the game has evolved. It's it's like positionless basketball. And your best players, like you know the 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 one doing most of the playmaking, Giannis, right. LeBron, Doncic. It's your wing. It's a yeah. it's a wing game. It's a wing game. You know, I hey, if you if you could tell me that I could snap my fingers, and we could go back to the land of the giants, the way the NBA used to be, where the center was the most important player, and you like built around your center, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. You like that? That's that's what I grew up oh, on, dude. Oh no, man, that's that. That's what I grew up you, you're, on. But you're, you're you're getting drunk off of nostalgia. I think the I like, game is a lot more exciting this like these days. It's it's more wide open. But to me, wide open doesn't necessarily mean it's a better brand. Like for example, I. I am very, very fond of the college brand of basketball. Very fond of it. And college basketball is not as wide open and free-flowing as the NBA is. And it's probably slowed down to a certain extent compared to the NBA. But I dig that. I know a lot of people are turned off because it's become more of a three-point shooting league than ever before. And I think part of it is, though, Dan, and and look at the playoffs. Like The reason why we get as many blowouts in the playoffs is because of three-point shooting variants. Like once one team is hitting and the other team isn't, it's it's a twenty point game. Absolutely, we saw that throughout throughout right. the entirety of the postseason. And you're that, never out of a game. That's why like twenty point deficits could boom change yeah. like that in a matter of a few minutes. That's the flip side to it. You're never out of a game. Like the never. Celtics in the finals, uh, the hot starts in Game Four, hot start in Game Six. Then the Warriors came back because they employed the, the greatest shooter of all time, and he's got snipers all around him. It's exactly what it is. And that's what these teams are looking at. I mean, look at the draft, right? Look at the draft. I know that it was kind of an outlier that the bigs went one, two, three, because they were the best athletes. But now you're not talking about, you're talking about bigs who could step back and stretch the floor. 
you know, stretch fours for crying out loud. Dudes who aren't going to make a living down in the paint and in the low blocks, they're going to step out and they're going to shoot threes just as much as they do their damage down in the paint. I mean, that's happening with centers. That's happening with fives. I mean, Joel Embiid is out there sinking threes now, and he's like as big a dude as we have in the NBA. But it's working. Stephen Bedford, he's up next here on 98.7. Steve, how are you? Hey, good, Dan. How are you? Thanks good, Stevie. What's going on? Uh, I'm not trying to pile on, but I am, I guess. You know, the frustration is yeah. getting too great to bear. You know, you watch, as a Knicks fan, you watch these deals. You know, you're accumulating all this draft capital. You have all these draft picks, millions of picks. I, don't, I can't even keep track anymore. And I watched Jeremy Grant go away for nothing to some, you know, for next to nothing. You know, Dallas picked up Christian Wood from, from the Rockets. And now you see DeJounte Murray go, and you just wonder, you know, Knicks can use all these guys. You know, it's going to take a lot more than Jalen Brunson to make this team better. I, I just don't know, why, you know what the thought process is. If you're just stockpiling picks, you're not going to use them or, or, you know, trade that draft capital in and convert it into, into you know, real players. What are you doing? Well, the th- Steve, you know what the thought process is? And, and look, I understand the frustration. I get it. You know, you're a fan. I, and they really haven't given you a lot to be satisfied over over the last several years. I totally get that. But here's the thing with the draft picks. And I know that they're just these things that are like floating in, in air. And you can't necessarily hold on to them. There's nothing tangible about the draft picks. You hope that those things are winning lottery tickets somewhere down the road in the future. Like, for example... We saw what happened today with the Spurs, and they, for some reason, just didn't want to hang on to DeJounte Murray for a couple of years. Fairly reasonable salary. They feel that his trade value was as high now as maybe it's going to be. You could trade a controllable player. Let's see what we could get back in return. They got back a trio of first-round picks. That's what you hope the Knicks are going to be able to do with their draft capital down the road. Maybe not with DeJounte Murray or a player like that. Maybe even better to where there's going to be a team that's either rebuilding and they want to say, hey, give us assets and you can have our star player, and that's what the Knicks are banking on. Right, but Christian Wood's a young player. I mean, this guy's a, super, a budding superstar, as is DeJounte Murphy. It's like, what are you waiting for? If these guys aren't good enough, what do you think you're going to get? I don't know. It's just it's tough. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, Steve, I hear what you're saying, and I thank you for the phone call. I don't, I don't know if I could say budding superstar, you know? Like, here's the thing about DeJounte Murray. If you want me to, like, throw cold water on it, he really only had like one really, really good year this past season, all-star. And the last few years since he's been there and he's doing his thing, it's not like he's necessarily led the Spurs, right, to bigger and better things. Hasn't. And I know it's a young team, and it's a team that's a far cry from the Spurs squad that we were used to seeing for essentially decades But I think the jury, like, for instance, if we're going to sit here and openly question Jalen Brunson as to whether or not this is sustainable, what we saw from him in the playoffs last year, don't you think we have the right to say the same thing about DeJounte Murray? Like, that's the point I was making over the last week when people were trying to throw out there and suggest alternatives to Jalen Brunson. And anytime the Murray thing brought up, it's like, okay, yeah, but, but I can also give you knocks on him potentially. Now, look, he's a better defender. I'm not going to challenge that. He could D up. You like that part of his game. But have we seen this thing long enough? Right? We haven't. And Christian Wood, Steve brought up Christian Wood. Here's the problem with Christian Wood. You know what Christian Wood suffers from? At least to me. 
Christian Wood, the last couple of years, falls into that category, and it is a dreaded category that you don't want to be any part of. Good player, garbage team. Right? Because the last couple of years, the Houston Rockets were as bad as any team in the NBA. And Christian Wood got his numbers, and he put up his stats, but the team was dreadful. Somebody's got to score the points. Somebody's got to get those rebounds. How do I know that Christian Wood's going to do that when he steps up to a better team, better players around him, and then he's really asked to deliver? Don't know. You're listening to the Dan Grossa Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Real quick, like the games that are affecting the uh, locals on the scoreboard tonight, Atlanta has themselves a 4-1 to lead over the fighting Phils. That one going to the ninth inning. So if that remains... Uh, the Braves' deficit will only be three games behind the Mets in the National League East. Boston and Toronto, that is 3-2 Bo Sox in the top of the eighth inning. be interesting to see how the Sox handle this one because uh, you might have noticed last night Toronto had a walk-off win there in the ninth inning. Boston couldn't slam the door shut because um, uh, Tanner Houck is not with the team. Their normal closer, because he's not vaccinated, they're up in Toronto. He has not gotten the shot, so he can't enter the country, can't play. And so it was the uh, combination of Tyler Dave, uh, you know, Tyler Davish and Hansel Robles, our old friend, who surrendered the lead against the Toronto Blue Jays there and cost them the game. So they still have, what, six outs still to get in this game. We'll see how Alex Corr and company could piece it together. Sox up by one. You know, as far as the Mets are concerned, I understand, okay, it's their first three-game losing streak of the entire season. They got swept by the Houston Astros. You know, one run the last couple of games. I get it. But I really think it's premature to push the panic button. I really and truly do. I mean, Houston's a good team. As I've said all along, Astros, Yankees, they're going to be on a collision course for the American League pennant this year. There is no shame on getting shut down by the Astros. No shame on getting shut down by Justin Verlander, who's going to the Hall of Fame. and might even win another Cy Young this year, which would be his third. But once upon a time, remember in 2015, when the Mets played the Chicago Cubs? Mets got swept by the Chicago Cubs that year during the regular season. They went 0-7, got swept in Wrigley, swept at City Field. And you said to yourself, geez, the Cubs are an up-and-coming team. If they ever had to meet them in the playoffs, they'd have no shot. Well, what happened? They met in the playoffs in the NLCS. And what happened in that series? There was a sweep, but it was the Mets who were the ones that did the sweeping. So October is a completely different beast. It's a completely different story. And the only time you're going to see the Astros is maybe in the World Series. And there are no guarantees that either are going to make it. So you don't spend too much time worrying about it. Did it stink seeing a guy like Jason Castro decide the game today with his first home run of the year, batting under 100? Yeah, it did. You know, that's not what you necessarily sign up for. And I'll tell you this, Drew Smith has not exactly been as rock solid as he was earlier in the season. There are a couple of guys on that pitching staff in that bullpen that are slowly vacating the so-called circle of trust. As far as I'm, Jason Shreve has been out of it, and, and his key card privileges have been revoked forever. He's never getting back into the circle of trust. Drew Smith, little by little, he's got like one foot out the, out the door of the circle of trust, as far as I'm concerned. And even Carrasco, to me, little bit. You know, he's got maybe like a couple of toes out the door. Not a whole foot, a couple of toes. But there were positives to take from today. Taiwan Walker was great. 
rock solid. He is firmly entrenched in that circle of trust. Walker could get the ball for me any day of the week. I mean, you look at his numbers, and I know that maybe on the surface it doesn't like jump out to you, but Taiwan Walker is putting up numbers and putting together a first half of the season, which is really similar to the first half that he had last year, where he went to the All-Star game. Like, he has been very, very that, that is one of the better signings. Like, think about it, that this club has made really in several years. You know, two-year deal. I know that he tailed off in the second half of the season last year because I think the workload and coming off of surgery, but he was great in the first half, made an All-Star team. Rocking again here this season. Walker's a very, very good Met, I'll tell you. They're lucky to have him in that rotation. But this stretch is now over with. You looked at the schedule, the month of June, that three, three-and-a-half-week stretch, you knew that it was going to be challenging. They went 13-12. and 12. They went 13-12 and 12 without Max Scherzer and without Jacob DeGrom and essentially played 500 ball against some of the better clubs in baseball. You take that, and they still have a lead in the division. They're still in first place. So if I could channel my Aaron Rodgers, I say relax about the New York Mets right now. The schedule is about to get easier. Max Scherzer is going to be a Met again pretty soon. Jacob DeGrom is inching his way back. He's going to have a rehab start probably in the next week. But look at the schedule till the All-Star break. Texas, at Cincinnati, Miami. At Atlanta, that'll be tricky. And then at Chicago, there's only one team there with a winning record, and that's the Braves. Mets will be fine. And as Dwayne, our previous caller, was talking about Steve Cohen, hey, guess what? If there's a guy out there that can make the Mets better at the trade deadline, and if there's somebody that can improve this team's chances of getting to a World Series, he's going to authorize Billy Epler and company to go out there and bring him in. Who cares what the cost is? I'll spend it. 800-919-3776. Mel in Jersey, up next, here on 98.7. Mel, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? What's up, Mel? Good good show, good show. So, right, man, I mean, besides Jalen Brunson's family always, you know, being tied to the Knicks and them coming to the Knicks and the money, I mean, I really want to come to the Knicks. I either stay in Dallas or stay in Miami. With that being said, uh, at least the Knicks did make cap room for someone, you know, so if Jalen Brunson do not come here, you know, I wouldn't come out here with the pitchforks in the fire, you know. Um, uh, I, I get New York is a huge market, you know, and you can benefit from all that, but that's not going to get you closer to a ring. He almost went to the Western Conference Finals, you know, and the Miami Heat went to the Eastern Conference Finals. So with those two options, you're telling me you're going to pick the Knicks? Come on now. God bless. Mel, I hear what you're saying, and I thank you for the phone call, but I – here, you know, you use the, the, the pitchfork analogy, which is dangerous because you don't want to have any injuries with gardening tools or anything like that. I mean, that's, you know, leave that stuff to the Home Depot, the Lowe's, and, and that sort of thing. I think it would be bad not just because you missed out on the player. I'm going to go back to something that I said earlier in the program. And if you missed it, you could go back and listen to the podcast and, when you know, when the show gets posted on the app and everything. I think what it would do from a perception standpoint, to the rest of the NBA. You know the old saying, perception is reality? That's where it hurts the Knicks. Because specifically over the last few seasons, ever since like that summer of 2019, when KD, Kyrie, those guys didn't even give the Knicks a meeting and they signed with Brooklyn. You know, back in 2010, they couldn't get the guys that they wanted, remember? I think it's just going to continue to fuel this narrative that nobody wants to play for the Knicks. 
that to me is more dangerous than missing out on your guy. Right? Because if you are another free agent out there, and, you know, look, these guys, they talk, they've got agents with the connections, and, you know, word travels fast. The NBA is a small fraternity. So if you hear yet another guy who's got ties to the area, ties to, think about that, Jalen Brunson's father's on the coaching staff. His agent is Leon Rose's son. The guy grew up in South Jersey. He's got a home on the Jersey Shore still, for crying out loud. He went to Villanova, which is kind of sort of in the area. And if he doesn't pick the Knicks, when they're going to pay him a lot of money to do so, that's red flags all over the place. Not because the Knicks didn't get him. It's because this was a fit that was supposed to be as seamless and as in the bag as you could possibly have, and he still said thanks, but no thanks. That's where the concern lies.